Shut up and sit down. Welcome to another episode of the Super Movie Studies Podcast, a show about comic book movies approached from every angle and a community of nerds discussing how fiction relates to non-fiction. I'm your comic book cultured host, Michael Maurer, joined by the movie maestro. And James Schuyler Houtsma. And the scientific scholar. Grant Austin. SMSP is your premier movie discussion podcast. Every week we continue our journey exploring our favorite subject, superhero movies. Every fan sees the movies differently, so we gather some amateur experts to discuss certain aspects of the film. Whether it's money, comic books, music, science, or felonious fiends, SMSP talks about it all in this week's episode. Poor people have it. Rich people need it. If you eat it, you die. What is it? Nothing. I can't come up with anything either, Batman. No, Chief. The answer is nothing. How can nothing be a clue when it's not even a thing? In this case, nothing is certainly something, Robin. Let's see. Zero. Zilch. Goose egg. Precisely. Farmer Jones delivered a shipment of his prize-winning goose eggs to the local market just last week. Thereafter, eggs? It's not what was delivered, Commissioner. Rather, when? Last Tuesday, which was also the night of the total lunar eclipse. You see, it's really quite simple. The Atomic Energy Laboratory, headed by our old friend Professor Nichols, just opened a new wing dedicated to the science of total lunar eclipses. And I'll bet my cowl the laboratory is where those felonious fiends are going to strike next. Of course. How could I not see it myself? Come on, Robin. There's a bad moon on the rise. To the Batmobile! What would we do without him, Commissioner? I shudder to even consider it, O'Hara. Batman Return of the Cape Crusaders. And yes, there will be spoilers. Spoilers for days, motherfuckers. Fuh. <laughs> uh, first, first opinions... Um, let's, let's start with Skyler. Oh, God. Uh, God, where to begin with this film? Um, Batman Return of the Cape Crusaders feels like three or four shorts or mini movies crammed into one. Because that was about how coherent the plot was and how many times I kind of lost interest in it. It's, I mean, it's, it's, it's nice to have the little throwback to the old sixties Adam West stuff, but whoever was making this forgot that a little bit of that goes a long, long way. And by the time they go to space for some reason, uh, it it was just, it was like, you know, I, I want this pieced up. I don't want this in one big thing. Cause I'm tired of it. Um, it had a few fun moments, especially um, throwbacks to the old show or in jokes like when uh, Aunt Harriet was like, Alfred, you really don't see what they're – you really don't see it, Alfred? And then he proceeds to uh, talk about how he's going to go polish some doorknobs. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that was a nice wink and nod there. But um, 
on the whole, it was just, just kind of a forgettable one-off. Uh, Popcorn Grant. Uh, I have some similar opinions, uh, but I overall really enjoyed it. I thought it was pretty funny throughout. Definitely made some good throwbacks to the the 60s show and the movie. Um, I will say, though, that the plot was all over the place. Like That, that was absurd, even for a 60s Adam <laughs> West Batman. Um, but I liked the... The ridiculousness of it, uh, the crosswalk scene especially had me rolling. I thought that was top-notch 60s Adam West Batman dialogue. Um, I also really enjoyed how anytime there was a fight scene, Catwoman just kind of sat off in this corner. (laughs) Thought, Thought that was pretty good as well. And yeah, it's just... Aside from the plot being excessively ridiculous and complicated, I really enjoyed it. Um, So Popcorn Mauer. Yeah, I would not expect this film's plot to actually be complicated. More so convoluted. um, And just that it's like, wow, the villains really thought this out and still lost. Huh. Because he's Batman. <laughs> Not even. like They, they, they had plenty they, of time to steal everything. The they're, they're just like, how could Batman ever get up here or figure out that we're up here? And Catwoman says, because he's Batman. Oh, God. That was so. stupid. <laughs> even that was cheap. And there are some cheap moments when Robin is like, I knew he would best us. So I sprayed us with anti-isotope spray. Are you fucking so kidding spray. me? What? So much spray. <laughs> what? Jesus. Like, I mean, I, I liked how Batman got out of the TV trade dinner. Like, that was some clever writing of just like, of course, the lemon tart is, lemon tart. is, is acidic. And I'm like, really? <laughs> is it really that acidic <laughs> that it's going to loosen? We'll, we'll get rope? to that. That's one of my topics in science. So just you wait. All right. All right. Fair enough. I'll wait on that one. Um, I was I was in and out of this movie, and it definitely got long for for a seventy eight minute film. It definitely got long. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but I, I will agree with you there. It it dragged on a little bit. Um, but the alliteration, man, I can appreciate that much alliteration in one movie. Damn, so it was much. almost as good as the ridiculous amount of ice puns in the Schwarzenegger Batman. Yes. Just, it's, well, because ice puns are easy, but alliteration and that much of it, wow, that's actually a little tough. I'm very impressed with that. Um, The amount of nods to 60s Batman tropes is great, and I'll get into that, Um, just because there's so many. It's a love letter. It's a really long love letter that's a bit too (laughs) earnest, Um, that you're like, hold back a little, all right? Save some for part two. Uh, <laughs> but other than that, like I see where you're coming from, and it's well intentioned, and you know I love you back for it. Uh, I have two other things that I wanted to say about this that I, um, I didn't think any line was as good as the "some days you can't get rid of a bomb" line from the movie. That that will still probably be one of my favorite moments of Batman dialogue. <laughs> and then, uh. I didn't like that you couldn't see uh, Joker's 
mustache. Yes. Like, seriously. Yes. I didn't throw that in. I, I was, that would have been like the perfect homage to the. I looked. Um, I looked so hard. Yeah. And yes, because Cesar Romero refused to shave his mustache in the 1960s show. Okay, so every single episode with the Joker, Cesar Romero has a mustache with makeup painted over it. Why the (laughs) heck doesn't the Joker character in this movie have a mustache? Just the faintest remark. Just so just even, a, even just a wish. Wasted opportunity. Absolutely. Wasted opportunity. I actually was upset with that. I was like, you make so many nods to the show, and that is a very famous little little insider fact. All right? Just own up to it. It's great. Maybe it Seriously. looked ugly in the designs. It looked terrible. I don't know. I bet they could have made it work. Yeah. <laughs> No worse than Cesar Romero having a mustache with makeup <laughs> over it. Right. No worse than the real fucking thing. The real thing. Uh, one thing I noticed about this movie is there are several of the fight scenes where you talked about where Catwoman just kind of goes and slinks off to the side where they're happening. This is almost exclusively a movie of fight scenes with right hooks. <laughs> like, like, on trivial thing to notice on cue they just do like the same kind of right hook thing and then oh he ducked oh it's the same it's the same stuff over and over but there's so many right hooks there's a few tackles there's a few tackles there's the thing where someone like sneaks up behind robin and grabs around him and then he uh, kicks the person charging but it's like you could pretty much choreograph out any fight scene in this movie. And, <laughs> and it's a cartoon. <laughs> and you'd be right. You'd be right. A right hook, it is. Anyway, money stats. <laughs> a production budget oh. of an estimated $3.5 million. Half of that going to Adam West, Burt Ward, and Julie Newmar. <laughs> no, no kidding. <laughs> as our, um, as our it, Batman, Robin, and Catwoman, respectively. Right. I think everyone else might be in the great beyond at this point. Yes, unfortunately. Uh, yes, unfortunately. Uh, but there's actually money to report on, even though it is um, one of the quote-unquote straight-to-video movies. Uh, it did release as a Fathom one-night event in October, and its total domestic gross was $57,000. $57 million. That's just... No. Fifty-seven thousand dollars. Yes. All right. Well, whatever. It wasn't that well advertised. Not like Killing Joke was. Jesus. Right. Um, Add on to that a whopping nothing from the foreign gross, Eh. and you you get a total gross of fifty-seven thousand (laughs) dollars. Well, I mean, no. That's wait. Wait a second. Let me just double check your math there. Yes, indeed. Yep. It is $57,000 total. <laughs> I was kind of sweating un- under the brow there on that one. Um, but that's not counting the uh, the video sales numbers on this one yet, which I'm sure, you know, when you factor those in, it's going to make back its budget. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, like I said, this was released as a Fathom event uh, and the same after The Killing Joke did the same thing earlier that summer and did gangbusters at the theaters, so I'm sure Warner Brothers Animation was like, "Hey, let's keep this going. People, uh, people seem to like this." But uh, 
I think what they didn't uh, realize is whereas everyone wanted to see an adaptation of the killing joke, the people who had the, uh, the strong nostalgia for the sixties Batman show are dead, um, are dead. (laughs) They're all dead. A lot of them are dead. Like at this point we have nostalgia for the idea of sixties Batman. Like, we never grew up with it, but we're well aware of the history. I, I watched it a fair amount as a kid. I mean, they were obviously reruns, but... Yeah, it wasn't mm-hmm. same bat time, same bat channel. Um, no, no, of course not. And, like, you never saw the tours or saw in the news Adam West and Burt Ward and all the drama behind the Batman show when it came out. Um, as well as Oh, that's all- right. They made a movie about that, didn't they? Yeah, Batmania. Hmm. I need to check that one out. Yeah, it's uh, it's a fun little fun future little documentary. podcast episode. Sounds like it's a, oh. yeah, yeah. That and the Superman documentary that came out before Superman Returns. Look up in the sky, up, up and away. Oh, I do remember that one. Yeah, I saw that one. It's okay. But then we're getting in. But then we're getting into like Hollywood Land and oh, oh my god, Hollywood Land shit. A third oh, Batman. That's a third Affleck superhero film. Yeah, that's that would be super meta to do um but yeah so whereas um whereas the killing joke made a bunch of headlines for biggest uh fathom event ever i think uh earlier this summer not too many similar headlines with batman return of the cape crusaders or really any headlines for that matter at all yeah i mean well it's good enough that they're gonna make a sequel but that's about it they are indeed and they're going to use some forgotten lost script by Heron Ellis or something? Um, yeah, from what I understand, um, uh, the things we know about the sequel is that um, William Shatner is going to voice Two-Face, <laughs> and which already has me more hooked than most of this movie. Um, and that, yeah, there's an old war... Uh, what was the name of the person again? Heron Ellis? Heron Ellis. Okay, yeah. There's an old story that um, it was an unproduced script for the series, and it was recently adapted in the Batman 66 comic series. Ah, that's right, because he's the writer on that. Hold on. Yeah. Sorry. Harlan Ellison. My bad. Oh, yeah, there we go. I figured it was a little off. I was like, Heron Ellis sounds a lot like Warren Ellis. No. I think I'm mixing that up in my head. Easy to do. Yep, 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 yep. That 66 series. Oh, shit. That was originally produced by Kevin Smith, I think. I think oh, was it really? I think he started the 66 series with Ralph Garman. Because Ralph hmm. Garman is the number one 66 Batman fan. This, oh, really? That's the dude that got Adam West a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Oh, my. So, yeah. So, <laughs> what you're saying is he's a little into it. Yeah, he loves that stuff. Uh, also, big personal friends with Adam West. Oh, nice. Uh, let's see. Uh, Batman 66 uh, was written by Jeff Parker and Jonathan Case as the artist. Mm-hmm. Yep, but I mean, it didn't start out that way. Kevin Smith definitely was part of the early run. I know that for sure. Um, they they did they did Comic Cons where they uh, um, where they voiced all the characters and they reread the story. No, oh. um, well, I'm looking at the uh, the listing of all the uh, issues of it, and I'm not seeing his name anywhere here, especially on the first few. DCComics.com. Kevin Smith and Ralph Garman time uh, uh, team up on Batman 66 
and Green Hornet miniseries. Oh, yes, there was a uh, Green Hornet Batman 66 crossover, and Kevin Smith had done some of the Green Hornet ones, so that makes sense. Ta-da! There it is. Yeah. Because now they're doing uh, Batman meets Wonder Woman 76. Um, Yep, and then there's one for Man from Uncle. And Bionic Woman also showed up, too. That's right. Believe it or not. They're really digging in. They're, They're having fun. Oh, yeah. They're having a lot oh, of yeah. fun. All right, let's move on yeah, to uh, comic book, even though we kind of already dipped into that. Um, mm. But uh, mostly what I want to get into is there's so many nods to the classic tropes and zany antics that were present in the live-action 1966 series. All right, so most notable examples include uh, outlandish death traps, such as the impossibly large TV dinner tray and oven to go with it, which I ask, why is there a furnace in the TV dinner factory? They're TV well, dinners. And it was called Giant Oven. So They're TV dinners. Just... What are you cooking? They get frozen. <laughs> and then microwaved. Some... Yeah. Someone's got sirens. Oh, yeah. I live by three hospitals. <laughs> Shit. Three? <laughs> Do they need more uh, yeah. than one? Well, I live pretty close to downtown, and the UK hospital is really big. Mm. Hmm. Okay. Um, sideways, yeah, si- another trope includes sideways angled shots of Batman and Robin scaling a building um, where they literally just have them pretending to scale a building, but then they tilt the camera so it looks like they're climbing vertically. Um, we saw this a li- uh, somewhat when they were scaling the rocket ship or the space station uh, with their bat gravity boots. Um, it looked a your lot less cheesy. Atrophy. Yeah. Yeah, you must, there's always an easy way out, Robin. A um, <laughs> lot less cheesy in animated form um, than in live action. Got to say, like it oh, almost yeah. looked like, yeah, that's what kind of what happened in a cartoon. Um, but it's a little <laughs> nod to how they did it. Uh, absurd bat-related tools, including, but not limited to, bat knockout gas, bat wake-up gas, bat bombs, bat shield. Bat rocket ship, bat anti isotope spray, bat nip antidote, bat nip anti antidote, and the bat nip anti anti antidote. Sadly, no shark repellent to be found. No shark yeah. repellent. They already used that but joke in Lego Batman. Yeah, they did. So they probably trademarked that, or they were in probably communication. I bet. Like we can't well, just keep referencing the shark repellent. Well, speaking of trademarks, this whole movie is kind of strange in that I believe the rights to the Batman 66 TV show belong with Fox instead of uh, uh, Warner Brothers. So the fact that they're able to do this is pretty neato. Mm, I did not know that. I thought they would have eventually reverted because, I mean, it's been off the air. At some point, that has got to be public domain. I guess everybody right. who's still involved in it might be alive. Uh, is Bill Dozier still alive? Uh, I don't know. I don't think Bill Dozier is um, still alive. I think he died in the 90s. And I feel like it, like the go-to number for copyright expiration is 100 years, so uh, we well, can still... No, 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 no. Because the Superman, um, the Superman ed, uh, cartoons definitely became public domain in the early 2000s. So that was 70 years. I do believe the law is somewhere okay. around 70 years. 
Uh, okay. William Dozier, yeah, died in 91. Okay. Sad day. Okay. Um, moving on. Another trope. Uh, Ever-present acknowledgement of PSA-type messages to the audience to provide positive s- and promote citizen uh, positive... Oh, my God. To promote positive citizen behavior, uh, including the most notable example, Quick Robin, to the crosswalk. I love in that scene that they walk across the crosswalk <laughs> and, like... <laughs> Batman waves to cars, being like, thank you for stopping yeah, and that's not running the us best, over. That's the best part. <laughs> when he stops to wave to the citizens, like, yes, I am Batman. <laughs> While he takes his sweet fucking time in the middle of the street. <laughs> um, there's also a nod to how Riddler had really um, like simple riddles, but at the same time, Batman would use the most convoluted way to get to the answer. Um, right. Oh, my God. <laughs> So, so many giant leaps of logic to get there. <laughs> oh, I know. Like when you when you got there, you're like, well, that makes sense, but I don't think you could have taken that long of a path. I don't know how your brain mic- brought A to B on that one. Uh, but it's how good. You got from fish delivery to Tuesday to radioactive giant. energy factory. Duplication Ray. <laughs> that was that was pretty impressive, Batman. Even for you. All right. No back computer to be found. Um, plenty of splash bubble onomatopoeia fight scenes. In fact, too many. I'd say too many. Little too much. Like there was four of them. It was a lot. Um, oh, the only one that was really worth it was definitely like the Bat Clones versus Classic Villains. I don't know the the ones in um in space were good too because the first one like every time they missed they had like the whoosh oh yeah those were good yeah uh, and then after Batman put on his bat brass knuckles or whatever <laughs> the, the words became like clobbered or stuff, like really painful sounding <laughs> words so yes. I, was, I, I thought that was clever. That's good stuff. Um, and I love I love how they make note of the fact that in Batman fight scenes, they always angled the camera as if like that would give it some Ken Burnsian effect to <laughs> increase the action. Um, there's a word for that type of angle. Um, it's like a fish tilt or it's a, something. It's a Dutch angle. Thank you. It's a Dutch angle. Um, but like they like the camera has a switch from like normal fight scene and so, it's just one yeah. <laughs> one switch and all it does is tilt the camera 20 degrees and you're like oh dutch angle there it is how classic oh <laughs> and speaking of villains as before um a nod to all the um gratuitous cameos from all the batman's most nefarious and wacky villains uh like K- king cut a uh, king tut louis lilac and of course the Eggman. Eggman. He was definitely my favorite. Yeah, it's when he was like pondering over his different types of eggs, like hmm, hmm, and then like, Batman just comes by and just smashes it in his face when he's holding yeah, it up to his right. And and because it's like geared towards kids or meant to be, you know, like PG, he goes through all these like really nefarious eggs and then lands on knockout egg skips <laughs> yeah. over like poison and explosive and knockout egg that's the one that's the one and his name his name's egghead egghead thank you yeah wouldn't want the dozier fans to come out of the grave and give me hate mail 
The Vincent Price fans, goddammit. <laughs> That's right, Vincent Price played Egghead. Holy shit. I totally <laughs> forgot about that. That crazy kook. Okay. I'm, Which is actually really great. Yeah, I'm done with comic book section. Um, you can, If you are can't get enough Batman 66... You can continue to read the Batman 66 comic book, which is filled with gratuitous cameos of other famous serial shows of that era, like Green Hornet, Wonder Woman, Bionic Woman, and others. It's a great fun time um, of just cheesy jokes. And they actually uh, update some of the villains you didn't who came after the show, like they're they do the 66 versions of like Clayface or Bane or the Scarecrow at some point and that's a lot of fun oh good all right let's move on to music music uh for batman return of the cape crusaders is done by the trio of michael mcquistian uh christopher carter and lolita ritmanas uh that together they are the company dynamic music partners we talked about them previously as doing music for Batman the Killing Joke. Mm. Uh, they're responsible for a lot of the DC animated universe uh, post-Batman the Animated Series. And uh, with this one, they had a pretty cutout task for them in that if you're doing a a throwback movie, you're going to do the throwback music to it. And of course, the basis of any Batman 66 uh, media is going to be that... I guess you can call it iconic theme song now, uh, which of course makes a full uh, appearance here. Before I go into that, I need to double check who actually wrote the uh, Batman 66 theme. It's Neil Hefty. Uh, So yeah, you get plenty of the Neil Hefty theme in this one. Uh, I guess we'll just dive right into it, I guess. was born hmm yes indeed yes indeed i mean that's that's almost exactly the old theme just like a little bit uppity oh yeah you know you gotta re-record it for with modern technology without really updating it but yeah it's uh it's almost identical good stuff hey everybody knows that everyone knows batman Theme. A, a song that you really, when you take a step back, you would not attribute that to Batman, or at least the Batman post-1984. Um, oh, God. Yeah. Before Frank Miller just 
made everything dark and sad. Mm. Yes, indeed. Uh, <laughs> Bat- before when Batman smiled. <laughs> oh, yeah. Wait, that happened? Oh, what a scary world it would be. Uh, and then the other uh, track I've got on the docket for this one is the Joker Mobile Chase, which indulges in the same uh, brass hits and groovy 60s rhythms going on there, which is you know, perfectly in line with uh, what they're going for with this movie. It's all about the groovy, man. It's gotta all about st- that groovy. Gotta stay bat groovy. Batusi. <laughs> we talked about uh score from these guys uh we talked about some of the sounds in the killing joke being you know really mellow bluesy uh moody and here we have this one which is all you know big band upbeat swing so i guess you could say that if you're ever gonna try and find the uh the jazz elements of the batman score these guys are pretty good at bringing that out yeah, um, I'm, when they get to, I mean, they get the chance to show the happier side of Batman. Because, I mean, I'm sure if we ever did some sort of, uh, I, eventually there will be a callback to, like, Mask of the Phantasm. Somebody's going to make Ooh. Mask of the Phantasm 2 or something. Um, and Please do. These guys will direct the music, obviously, and it's going to be back to somber blues. Um, it is. But but anything with Adam West involved, you're going to get something that's going to sound like it came out of Whiplash. Right, which I like that uh, that comparison because just in general, we need more jazz scores. <laughs> <laughs> that's all I had for music. It's a short, sweet movie that does, you know, basically the the one note thing throughout it. So rock on, kill that's kill. All I got. All right, let's move on to <gasps> radioactive steam and science. Radioactive. Yes, science. Radioactive. So this one's not that fun, but I wanted to put it in there because it really bothered me. Uh, that's so. I know we've talked about this on the show before with um, Dark Knight Returns about how people just throw like the radioactive nuclear reactors and shit into their movies to make it sound menacing and dangerous. Um, But in reality, like the big steam towers that you see for nuclear reactors are by far the least harmless part of the, the power plant. The least harmless. I mean, it's still steam. It's still hot. 
and it's huge. So if you fell into it, like you would, it'd be like jumping off of a building, but compared to the reactor, which has actual radioactive crap and the turbines and, um, so you mean, you mean most harmless. Yeah. Okay. What did I say? Least Least harmless. Oh, as in double negative. Yeah. yeah. It is the least harmful and the most harmless. I was, <laughs> yep. I, it's late here, guys. Just bear with me. Fair enough. Um, anyway, there would be no radioactive elements to that. And then if it exploded like that, anti-isotope spray wouldn't do them any good. They really need anti-third-degree burn spray or something <laughs> like that. What I, <laughs> what I love about that is you have to remember, Grant, it's the 60s. Nuclear scare was all the all the rage, right? Which just kind of almost makes it more irresponsible that they're <laughs> giving such false information. Like, I have no problem Batman using a nuclear reactor to kill them, but like, at least have it be the right part of the nuclear reactor and not the steam <laughs> tower that doesn't do anything. It just emits steam. It's to cool the water. All right, that's all, all right. it's there for. Let's get down to okay, let's get down so to le- lemon tart. Yes, the the lemon tart and dissolving the rope. So what's for dessert? Robin? I watched. <laughs> I watched that and, like you, immediately thought thing I've ever seen that wouldn't work. And then when I was looking up stuff about it, I came to the conclusion that you know what? Yeah, it might actually work. Which was baffling to me, but <laughs> here we go. Here's here's how we can. It, it works in one situation, and that would be if there is a lot of lemon juice in that lemon tart, which there might have been because it was huge. And <laughs> if the rope, it's a big ass lemon tart. Su- if the rope was sufficiently modern enough to be made of nylon, in which case, then yes, it would dissolve in lemon juice. Because lemon juice has about the same pH as stomach acid. So, Hmm. um, yeah, if that was the case, it would work. If it was an older rope made of, like, horse hair or something, then no, it would not work. Lemon juice can't dissolve hair. But damn! Yeah, possible, reasonable escape route for that particular death trap that they were stuck in. A lot of this movie was good. It was just filled with a bit too much that was... Uh, that was a bit too much of a fan letter for too long. Right. And yet that might uh, be the most logical thing that happened in the film. Yeah, weird. <laughs> weird. No, no, no. The, how the TV tray got there in the first place is bullshit. But, like, once <laughs> it's there, you use it logically? Huh. <laughs> well, my favorite part of that scene, though, was that they were in a building that was called Abandoned Frozen Dinner Fact. <laughs> Like that that's what it said on the sign as they drove up. So that is some crazy self-awareness. Yeah. Damn. Okay, so the last one, also kind of fun. Catwoman when she gets shot out of the uh airlock into space with no spacesuit. Yeah, for like so, ten seconds. Okay, but you know what? That's Kind of enough to cause lots and lots of problems. Oh, your eyes um, are no longer in gravity or pressurized, so bye. <laughs> well, yeah, so not only that, but um, apparently there's a word for this, which I didn't know until I looked it up, but because of the 
incredibly reduced pressure, uh, your bodily fluids would start to boil, which is bad. Whoa. And this, this is called ebolism, which I did not know. So learned a new word today. Oh, um, and that's bad because then you get air bubbles in like your blood, which is very bad. Because if one of those goes into your heart, they can cause your heart to misbeat, which can cause heart attacks. If they go into your lungs, that's also really bad. So, yeah, no bueno. And, And that would be pretty instantaneous, actually. Like, as soon as she was in that low of a gravity or a low of a pressure, um, that process would start even... Because the pressure would be so low that the boiling point of the fluids in your body would be less than your body temperature. You know, for... Which is kind of crazy. So, like... Damn it. (coughs) Excuse me. Okay. So, for the first, like, 40 minutes of this film, you're like, okay, they're not in any way making an attempt to bringing Batman into the modern era. That's fine. Um, That's not the point of the film. Until they go to space. The space station that's... Shaped like the cathedral in Moscow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but, <laughs> yeah. But, 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 then they introduced this new sort of plot of Batman's evil. Okay, and I was like, huh, that's kind of a darker plot for a '60s Batman show. And I went, how far will they go with it? I was, yeah. I, I was, I was, I was prepping myself for some pretty brutal Batman. And it only got as far as excessive battery. Um, But I was like, damn, if he killed a motherfucker, like, that would, I would be impressed with this movie. (laughs) Well, wasn't this movie just rated like PG? So there was, there was no chance of that happening. I don't know. You could have hinted at like, maybe he killed, like they've done subtler things. Mm, Right. At one point, it almost seemed like the movie, it was, trying to be like oh hey man remember when batman was like old and goofy remember the the good old days and then they made him all dark and shit and now it's icky and no one likes it and it's like is this trying to be like an anti-dark batman thing i think i don't think it's like that i think it's sort of poking fun at the fact that 60s batman could never do that <laughs> Fair enough. I think it's like Adam West couldn't have been the dark Batman that we enjoy today. Um, so we're going to give it, we're going to show you what that would look like. Because wouldn't that be kind of fun? Like the same as if Kevin Conroy did, pretended to be 60s Batman. Like that would be hilarious. That would be hilarious. That would be so funny. I am darkness, Robin. I am the night. I am Batman. <laughs> Like I, that would and be... then just right into the theme song. Yeah. Just... <laughs> Batman! Batman! Like Kevin Conroy just interjecting every once in a while. <laughs> oh. I would enjoy that. I'd pay for that. I hope the second one's all about that. <laughs> like a second Batman shows up and it's Kevin Conroy. Who has to exist in this just world. Just have some weird multiverse crossover and have 1990s Kevin Conroy Batman and Adam West Batman in the same thing. No, 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 no. Two-Face's main villainous plot is to have Batman face the duality of himself. As another Batman. (laughs) (laughs) Mind-blowing. 
Like, they get freaking meta as shit. Like, they attempt to be a really fucking good movie, and then they still maintain the cheekiness of, oh, Dutch Angle fight scene. <laughs> like, all this metaphysical shit in the background. Yeah. Like, some real... With all the right hooks, though. Yeah, some real Dan Harmon shit. Like, that's what I want to see. Are you saying the side quest should be to get that Szechuan sauce? Yeah, definitely. They gotta get that Szechuan sauce, Morty. Nine years, Szechuan sauce. Nine more seasons until I get to that McNugget sauce. <laughs> That'll be my whole arc. My whole character arc. Then it takes me nine, nine hundred, nine, ninety years. <laughs> you now the patriarch that- of your house and your universe. <laughs> All right, have you seen? Okay, anyway, um, any more like fun facts uh, or science to do to to roll with today? I mean, I can talk more about all the crazy shit that happens to your body in space. Like, yeah, uh, if good. you tried to hold your breath, you would explode. Oh, so that's fun. Damn. Ooh. Note to self: breathe in space. So it's actually better to not try and hold your breath and just hope that you get rescued within like the minute you have before you die. <laughs> oh, good. Ah. Good. I love it. Um, but yeah, that, that's basically all I have. So, Rock on. Did we say we Pretty had on, fun man. facts, Skyler? Uh, I've already covered them oh. be- with the uh, the sequel and the Shat being Two-Face. <laughs> the Shat. That's what the I like, like to call him. <laughs> the Shat. That is a terrible nickname. <laughs> it's so bad. Just, just awful. The Shat just- Man. Shit. I really, Shit. Shit, man, I really hope that that catches on <laughs> when people start calling him that. Oh, the shit. The shit, man. All right. Oh. With that, shat man, oh. ladies and gentlemen, uh, Shatner, please don't sue us. Uh, that'll wrap it up today. <laughs> Super fans, Super Movie Studies is recorded and produced by me. Yeah, go rate us on iTunes where you can find all of the episodes that we have done. Give us five stars. Because we had a really good Daredevil one recently. Oh, it was fun. And you you should listen to that one. That was a fun one, I have to say. When we're mostly drunk and not tired. Shh. 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 I was was the most drunk. (laughs) This is okay. (laughs) Well, I'm assuming this was the the Daredevil movie. Yes. Yes. Yeah, well, you kind of have to be drunk to talk about that movie. No, nah, the director's cut. I had some good words. Anyway, uh, <laughs> the Twitter. Twitter. Uh, Twitter Tom specifically running the Twitter. Uh, Twitter question of the week, Morty. Uh, uh, uh. What was your favorite alliteration in this film? Yes. Yes. Yep. Hashtag holy. to choose from, guys. <laughs> well, yeah, we'll go with that one. Felonious no. villains. Um Felonious fiends. Fiends, yes. Fiends or felines? I I thought it was like felonious feline foe or something Ah. like that that he threw in when he was introducing Catwoman. That'll do it. Everybody had it. He had some good ones in there between the two of them. There's some crazy ones. It it, it came at you so fast and hard, I just couldn't keep track of any of them. (laughs) Right. It's like my Saturday night. Hashtag holy alliteration, Batman. There you go. Like... They spent a year writing all these alliterations, and then it just ballooned to the plot into this convoluted <laughs> scariness. There you go. It was yeah. They wrote they wrote the introductions to every character first, and then went, "Let's make a plot." 
We we have to <laughs> get these out there. We can't just have them written down in our thought notebooks. We have to make a film to put them in. Oh my god. <laughs> All right. Let's make a lot of plot. <laughs> that, Just a lot. <laughs> that's going to do it today. I'm your host, Michael Maurer. James Schuyler Houtsma. And Grant Austin. And I hope you all have a super week. Bye-bye.